Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Gardeners know that to bring new growth and greater beauty to a plant, you may have to cut back the branches. This process is called pruning. In John 15, the night before the cross, Jesus is teaching the apostles and all of us that in order to bear more spiritual fruit and to have a more God-pleasing life, our Heavenly Father must prune us. While it sounds painful, the illustration Jesus uses demonstrates one of the most beautiful and rewarding aspects of the Christian life. When we grasp this, or better yet, it grasps us, we'll be forever changed. Here's Pastor Jim in part two of Experiencing Jesus. This is actually, I know this is not easy to hear, but this is the hearing this stuff and changing the way you think. This is the way you get to heaven. This is the story of Judas and many, many church people. In some ways, you could say they were, they were close to Jesus. They were in church. They were around the things of God. They, you know, those kinds of things like Judas. Judas was around Jesus. He was the treasurer but they were not attached to Jesus. They're close, but they're not attached. They're fruitless, and they don't remain close and attached to Jesus. Well, why would Judas do this? Well, in the case of Judas, he did not abide. He was not connected to Christ. He was not dependent on Christ and I suspect in his life, I suspect, and I've studied Judas a lot because as some of you know, I portrayed him in my eighth grade play. <laughs> 50% of my class when asked about what they thought about Judas named my name, which is always encouraging. So you're here now listening to Pastor Judas. <laughs> so, but, but I suspect he was bitter because things were not turning out the way he expected. And for a lot of people, when things don't turn out the way we expect, that can lead us to a lot of bitterness. And I have seen so many people fall away from the faith or begin to become unfruitful in their faith because of bitterness. And I don't know how much self-centeredness and false expectations could be extinguished by abiding in Jesus. Failure to abide in Jesus makes it very, very easy for you and for me to take the cup of bitterness from the evil one and chug it down. And the thing about the cup of bitterness is it's slow to take effect. And even when you realize that you drank it, and you think, I've got to get on a better, call, a better course, the side effects of bitterness are not easy to kick. A lot of times we think, oh, I'm good. You know, the guy gave me, you know, some, some medicine to take, some penicillin or some, something like that to take, and you think, oh, I'm, I'm all better. But then you realize, I'm still kind of funky. And sometimes you don't even realize it. You're just living out your bitterness, Perhaps you saw the new Barna survey for four months into COVID, one out of three professing Christians have stopped attending church. They're just done. 
Plenty of online options, plenty of other options they could go to, but they're just done. And there could be many reasons why. There could be many excuses why, including bitterness could be one of the reasons. And I just want to say this, friend, if you're watching us today and that's you, you're like one of the people who would have filled out the poll or you did fill out the poll and you're like, yeah, I'm done with church and you're with us here today. Can I just tell you in the name of Jesus Christ, we are so glad you came back and we pray that you would remain. Now, some of you might say, yeah, but Pastor Jim, what we just read, it's too late. It says that the Lord takes away the unfruitful branch. And I feel like I'm an unfruitful branch. This is a very interesting thing regarding this word. Remember, translators could go from one language to another is always not that easy. Sometimes you, uh, for my Spanish friends, I always say to them, can you define the word entonces for me? And they're like, I can't, yeah, I can't really define it. It's more like a, uh. If somebody says to you, what does uh mean? We're like, I don't know, uh, right? So sometimes when you go from one language to another, there's a difficulty in, in translating because it could be taken in a couple different ways. Well, when it says that it takes, that the Lord takes away, it can also mean, that word can also mean that the Lord lifts up. Now, when we get to verse 6, it's different. But here, and I think that may influence the translators in this verse, but it, what does that mean, lifts up? Well, let's just say you're a gardener and you have a, a vine that's growing along the ground and you know that fruit only grows on that kind of vine, not when it's along the ground or animals will come along and eat it, whatever it is, you know that you have to take it and you have to prop it up. What do they call it, a trellis? You have to put it up onto a trellis. And so here, God could be saying that when he takes it away, that I lift you up. In other words, I take something that is unfruitful, that is growing wild, I lift it up, I prop it up, so it's, if you will, airborne, up in the air, on the trellis, on a stick or whatever, and I'm giving it a chance to grow. I'm convinced with all my heart, and I know that you could, we could argue the ins and outs of the, of the eternal destiny of Judas, but I can't think of any other reason why Jesus would have washed his feet other than to say to him, I, I know you're slinking along the ground. I want to lift you up. I love you, man. I want to give you a chance. And perhaps the Lord is saying to you and to me today, I want to lift you up. I want to give you a chance to abide. I want to give you a chance to grow. The, the soul-searching question is then, will you let him? Will you let your heavenly Father lift you up today. Now this will become, if it's this is what he's saying, this will become a hugely important encouragement to the apostles when they desert Jesus, when he is arrested, and when he dies on the cross. Then like Judas, they will appear spiritually dead, but God will raise them up. You say, oh, but, but, no buts on this one. There's no buts on this one. Those guys fail big time, but God will raise them up to bring glory to God, and they will produce tremendous spiritual fruit. 
So gardeners, what about the branches that are growing? Will you take care of them? And notice what it says here. He prunes the ones that are growing that it may bear more fruit. So gardeners, you know this, and you, sometimes you, if you ever see somebody who pruned a garden, you're like, oh, that looks terrible. And then in a few weeks, you're like, oh my gosh, it looks great. The Lord prunes to promote, to produce, and secure the fruitfulness of followers of Jesus that are abiding in Jesus. This is an extremely important part of being a follower of Jesus. Why does God cut back and prune? Well, honestly, uh, as for a garden, a garden left to itself, people left to themselves, produce lots of unproductive growth. And especially a vineyard will do that. But when it's healthy, a vineyard produces lush, delicious fruit and wine, and wine is a picture of joy in the Bible. And so our Heavenly Father sometimes prunes us back to get us into that place. So gardeners, how do you prune? You cut. You cut. And sometimes you cut a lot. And for a follower of Jesus, God's pruning. Please hear this, loved ones. For a follower of Jesus, God's pruning can be very, very painful. It can often involve great suffering. It can often involve great loneliness. It can often involve great despair. But they are times that God is doing a great work in you. Did I say that too fast? Because I really want you to understand that. That those times of pruning that are so very, very hard, remember that God is doing a great work in you. And this is the most important point for you to remember. And you gardeners that hate the pruning back process, I hope this is going to make you love it. And just the thought of this visual brings tears to my eyes to remember that when your heavenly Father is pruning you, that when a gardener is pruning the the branches, your heavenly Father is never closer to the branch than when he's pruning it. And you might think he's so far from you. But as you abide, and sometimes as you come out of it, you realize that that he had to get close to me to, to prune me. And let that sink in. Let that sink in. Why does he do this? Why does he get up close and then seemingly cut us back so we learn to abide in him? And so we produce As he says, we bear more fruit. And if you're a new creation in Christ, you're a new Christian, please understand that that life, the Christian life, takes time to abide, to learn to abide. It takes multiple prunings. And sometimes you will learn that prunings are a lifelong process. 
Two verses from the Old Testament. Psalm 119.67, he says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. What is he saying? I wasn't keeping your word, and then I got pruned. And the Lord helped me understand why he gave me his word. Same Psalm, Psalm 119.71, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. In the New Testament, Hebrews 5.8, talking about Jesus, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. So what is the fruit that God will bear in us? Well, it's things like godly motives, godly desires, godly attitudes, deeds done in faith, walking in faith, drawing near to the Lord. Many places we could talk about in the New Testament. I'll just read from one, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. But yet this is another one of those words that's kind of interesting. The word prune can also be translated to make clean or purify. So, so what does that mean? It's, it's, it's getting rid of the dead growth that's on a branch. It's, it's God the Father getting rid of the things in our lives that hinder us from abiding in Jesus, from being fruitful. Now, now these, Jesus didn't have these things. He was perfect. So he did suffer, but he didn't have to, you know, he didn't have to get, have these things in his lives, you know, cut out like that. For us, it's what? It's perhaps a, a bad habit. Perhaps bad attitudes, bad desires, a bad friend or bad friends, bad values. But when these things are being cleaned out of our lives, it's very, very important to know that it's the work of God not us. We, we do, I would say, bring some sense of a willing heart, but if you're, if you're being pruned, it's, <laughs> so it's God's like, I'm taking it. Why is it important that we know it's the work of the Lord, not us? Because so we don't get proud and think we did it. I mean, I hear sometimes people, they give their testimonies, or sometimes we call them bragamonies, and they're talking about how bad they were, and now they're, they're this and they're that. And you know what they're doing? They're stealing God's glory. And when you steal God's glory, you know what God does? He prunes you back again. <laughs> don't have, listen, pruning is necessary, but I say don't invite it because it hurts. Number three, a very short point, but again, half a year. Actually, you could say this is the life of Calvary Chapel. We experience Jesus through the word. We experience Jesus through the word, verse 3. He says, you are already clean, talking to the apostles, because of the word which I have spoken to you. Now, once again, we think about the, the farmer and in the ancient, or the gardener. In the ancient world, it was common for the gardener to, watch, to wash all the bugs and moss off a branch. And we know that the Lord washes us with his word. When you hear the word of God, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. You 
you turn to God and put your trust in Jesus. We could argue when that happens in your spiritual awakening. That's not our purpose today. But what happens? God, you could read about this in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, by grace through faith makes us clean. We are cleansed of our sins. We are what we call saved from our sins, rescued from our sins. We have the forgiveness of sins in eternal life. And that's what I think he's talking to the apostles here. Now he's taking them up a level. You have already been cleansed by me. Now I want you to learn about abiding in me. We said last week that abiding doesn't save you. You are saved and then you abide. And so the word of God initially cleanses us and continues to cleanse us from our sins and, and our, all, of our, all of our gunk, if you will. It's the part we call sanctification, becoming more like Christ. And I said Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Ephesians 2, 10 says that we are saved unto good works. So, so forgiveness of sins, the grace of God, forgiveness of sins in eternal life comes first, then that's followed by good works, not in reverse, Say, by grace, through faith, unto good works, not by good works. Very important that we get that order correct. So I believe he's saying to the apostles, again, it's going to get really nasty, really quick, really crazy. I believe he's encouraging them, saying, I have already made you clean. I have given you a new identity. One that, one that will last for eternity. And this is a huge thing in our culture today. There are so many people attaching themselves to so many different identities. Jesus comes along and he says, no, 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 this is not what I, what I want for you to do. I want you to find your identity in me. And having been made clean by Jesus, pruned by the Lord, cleansed by the word of God, we, we respond to Jesus by abiding in him. And what happens? We begin to bear fruit. It's seen in the way that we live. First Peter 1.23, the apostle Peter says this, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. Uh, some verses say not perishable seed, but of imperishable. Through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. 2 Corinthians 7.1, the Apostle Paul uh, wrote these words, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness uh, of the flesh and the, spirit, and the Spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Some Old Testament, Psalm 119.9, How can a young man cleanse his way? Important verse by taking heed according to your word. Well, we experience Jesus through the word. So much more could be said, but we have to move on. Number four, we experience Jesus through intimacy. We experience Jesus through intimacy. This is what we mean, if you're a guest with us here today, this is what we mean by we, when we say we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Most people, honestly, when you tell them just out of the blue, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, they look at you like you're crazy. Like, what are you talking about? So this is what we mean by it. He says, verse 4, Jesus says, Abide, 
some versions say, remain in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. A branch cannot bear fruit unless it's connected, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. In other words, there'll be no spiritual fruit in your life unless you are continually connected to me. So without a vine, a branch cannot live. And it certainly cannot bear fruit. It's only kept alive by the vital connection. The branch is only kept alive by the vital connection that it has to the vine. Now, Jesus is not talking about literal branches. He's clearly talking about the human responsibility of followers of Jesus to abide. Now, this takes what we often refer to as grace-motivated effort. When you trust in Jesus, God gives you the power and the ability to abide. Our responsibility then, our response to that is to live in trust and dependence and obedience to God. Now, often you'll hear from people who'll say that they're followers of Jesus, they'll say stuff like this to you. Don't forget that Jesus has promised, he ended Matthew's gospel with it, we saw it you know, a number of months ago. Don't forget that Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. And a lot of people will say, that's great, but I don't sense that. I don't, if you will, feel that. It doesn't seem like it's my reality. Why is that? Not abiding. That's it. He's there, but he hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you. The vine dresser is close to you when he's pruning you, but by not abiding, we're not aware of such things. Abiding is a heart that is living in fellowship. We could also say in communion with God. And this is why some of the things that, that Jesus says make no sense to people or they make sacraments or sacrifices out of it and they because they don't understand what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Jesus says, eat my flesh. Jesus says, abide in the true vine. What is Jesus saying? He's essentially saying, I am what keeps you alive. That's what he's saying. It's not like go make a, you know, some vine sacrament or something like that. He's, he's using these things to them which would be pictures of how you stay alive. And he's saying, I am the one who keeps you alive. And I fear, loved ones, that we are often too casual about this. Not realizing the diligence that is required to experience the presence of Christ. I know many people that are spending four, six, eight hours a day on social media. I'm not poo-pooing social media, but I'm saying, do you sense that you're abiding in four to six or eight hours of social media? Listen to this verse. This is one that you really have to remember. Hebrews 2.1. The writer says, Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard from God 
lest we drift away. If we're not abiding, it is so easy to drift away. Now, some of you, I know, you have that paranoia streak running through you. You have that low-level guilt. And it's interesting, it's often the people that serve with all their heart that have that low-level guilt. The people who do nothing, they're like, oh, I'm fine, no problem. You think, what if I mess up? What if I mess up? John 10, 28, we've referred to this verse many times before, but it's essential to understanding this. Jesus says this, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. I give them eternal life. They're going to heaven. They shall never perish. They're not going to go to hell. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Your caring that you messed up, your caring whether you abide or not, your grace-motivated effort to abide in Jesus, to stay attached to Jesus, are an evidence that you are in his hand. Did you hear that? Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love brings you the great hope of the gospel to equip you to reach others with this transforming message. In a world filled with fear and mistrust, Pastor Jim provides the path to freedom in a clear and transparent style. Changed by Love needs your help to reach thousands, including your friends and neighbors. Find out the ways you can team financially with Changed by Love by visiting our website at changedbyloveradio.org or call 862-217-9686. Pastor Jim would love to hear your story and how Changed by Love has impacted your life or someone you know. Your encouragement goes a long way. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.